First John and chapter number five. First John five. While you're finding your place there, you know, just a little context. Um, you know, we pray for God to heal people, and sometimes He does so by taking them to heaven. It's ultimate healing. Um, and I, you know, when we were getting worried even about Miss Robin. Um, it was at the same time we were getting some good news on other fronts. So, you know, how, how do you put all that together? But we were, as a family, we were reading through the book of Hebrews. And, and we were reading in chapter 11 how that by faith, Moses, by faith, you know, Abraham and different ones that accomplished great things that, I mean, really, you just you see God do some amazing things. But then, then at the same time, it says, and others. who And others. So there's a... There's one side of that, you know, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness and, and obtained promises, all those things. And others had trials of, of cruel mockings and scourgings and imprisonments and bonds. So either, either way, it, whether victorious from our perspective or faithful through suffering, he's still faithful. He's still trustworthy. So that was, a, that was a help. I'm not sure that I explained it very well just right now, but it was a great help at the time, you know, and how that God's faithful regardless of our circumstances. So I sure thank God for that, most certainly. 1 John chapter 5, let's look at it here together. 1 John 5, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 4. We're, uh, believe it or not, nearing the conclusion of uh, our series in 1 John. Now, it's, it's, been, it's been a year, and I never intended really for it to go a year, but there's just so much packed in here, and we've had other things going on. I, I acknowledge that, and I've been gone, and others preaching, but anyways, um, it has been a fruitful study. I've enjoyed it. Looking forward to this. As we're kind of coming to the concluding verses of it, of course. So let's just begin reading now in verse number four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he. So that mention of Jesus being the Son of God causes him then to uh, hasten to say this. This is he. This is the one. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Notice how he emphasizes this, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness, I'm sorry, that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear, that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And then he reasons with them in verse number nine. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Everybody agree with that? If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. 
He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So you have a lot of interchange between the word witness and record. It's really the same Greek word. So it's, a, it's very, the, our understanding of this passage and really the certainty of our, of our salvation depends on whether or not we can trust the reliability of God's word. The testimony of what God says versus what man says. All right now look at verse number 11. This is our text. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God that ye may, what's the next word? No, that ye may know that ye have, present tense right there, that ye, may, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Tonight, I'd like for you to consider with me God's record and our security. God's record and our security. God's record and the believer's security. So may God bless the reading of his word. Let you be seated. God's record and the believer's security. I didn't bring it to the pulpit tonight, but uh, we, um, we're, we were just given a, a copy of Israel, My Glory. I don't normally get that as a publication. It's a magazine. I don't even know a lot about the background of it, to be honest with you. But, but um, uh, we just received one, I think, providentially after our trip to Israel here just recently back in April. That edition came out in like May, June, I think it was. And, and it, it nearly just followed our path where we went. It's just remarkable, just almost like they knew what our itinerary was and it just followed where we went and gave a little page explanation as to every place we went. So anyways, we, we got one for everybody that went on the trip just to kind of commemorate that. Well, they sent us another gift one, I'm assuming, unless I subscribed to it or Angie did and I didn't know about it. But um, this recent one is, uh, is entitled this Sealed. It's got like a Roman seal in the front of it, Sealed. Exploring the hope and security of the believer's salvation. And it's a great publication. Just, I mean, it just came and here I am studying 1 John. So of course, I'm going to refer to that, you know, just believing in the providence of God and the sovereignty of God, the way he works. And so it was a real blessing. And the managing editor of the publication, he said this, he said, the eternal security of our salvation especially comforts us in our fragile changing world. The, the eternal security of our salvation comforts us in our fragile changing world. In this life, almost nothing stays the same. Clothes wear out, buildings crumble, relationships fade, peace breaks, and the good old days wither away. Um, even heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word, my word abideth forever. 
It will not pass away. And so then uh, one of the articles, and it's not my intent here tonight, walk through that, though it's a very helpful study. Uh, one article is entitled this, The Difference Between Do and Done. What we do or doing and what Jesus did. Do versus done. Now I realize that if you've been in church in, in Southwest Baptist Church any length of time, then, then this is already crystal clear in your mind, but don't let that get old because you're only safe forever, right? You're safe forever and don't take that for granted. Vast majority of our world today has no idea what that's like, okay? And so there are new believers here, uh, some that just recently trusted Christ as their Savior. And when I, when I meet some of those individuals out in the foyer afterwards, I always try to tell them, hey, listen, this is something that will never change. If they are genuinely trusted Christ as their Savior, this is something that will never change. You say, how can you tell somebody that? It's right there. Not man's word, man's idea, God's word. It's, and it's reliable. And so doing versus done, um, a look at the insecurity other beliefs offer compared to biblical Christianity. So the author said this, am I boring you? You're doing okay. All right, good. I don't mean to read to you. I just want to try to get a few things across to you. He said this, a belief system that mixes faith with works cannot guarantee eternal security. A belief system, think about that just a moment. This is really, this was a crystal clear statement when I heard it. A belief system of any type, whether world religion or some version of Christianity that mixes faith with works cannot provide security. You say, I'm not sure if I get that. Well, Okay, faith we understand, but if you mix in works with it, like you have to do something either to obtain that salvation, works-based, or, or, listen, you have to do something to maintain or keep that salvation. That is mixing faith with works, and it can't provide security because of two things. Our inability... And a lack of clarity. Let me explain what, what I mean by that. Our inability. What if you had to keep a list, list of rules? What if you had to keep a list of rules in order to be saved, in order to get saved? May not be good English, but you get what I'm saying. In order to be saved, what if you had to keep a list of rules? Well, let me ask you this. How much would you have to keep? Well, I suspect you'd have to keep all of them. Okay, how's that going for you? Well, I have to keep all of them how long? As long as you're alive. So your inability, you're not going to be, able, no, okay, that just canceled out everybody here because none of us could ever keep God's law perfectly. There's only one who did and that was Jesus Christ. See? So, I mean, right there, that shows you the fallacy of any belief that mixes faith with works. But watch this. If you mix it in on the back end of it, you know what I mean by the back end of it? You got the front end of salvation. If you have to do something in order to get saved or you got to do something to stay saved, that's also works. And there can't be security there because what if I cross the line and I'm out? What, what if I, and there's a lack of, 
There's a lack of clarity there. Okay, what would constitute? I've never met anybody who even believes that you can lose your salvation that can tell us, okay, on what basis do you? What, what sin is it? I mean, is it, is it sin, sin in God's eyes? I mean, if I, if I tell a lie, can he still let me in? Or, or how, big of, how big of a sin do I have to commit to cancel this thing out? There's uncertainty there. And thus you are always, you're going to be wondering, I wonder if I'm saved or I'm not. Hey, thank God. God doesn't want us to live that way. No, but if you mix faith and works together, there's uncertainty. There cannot be security. There can't be. Because you always be wondering, am I doing enough? Or have I done something that has caused me to lose my salvation? Now, some in this auditorium would understand what I just said a lot better than maybe others. Because you came out of some world religions or out of Christianity or churchanity, you came out of those faiths where that was really on you. And you know what that's like. Now, those of you that grew up here at Southwest, or you grew up in an independent fundamental Baptist church, a Bible preaching church that, that explained that once you are in Christ, you're never out of Christ. then it's hard for you maybe to believe that somebody would believe that you can lose your salvation, but there are people that do. No guarantee, no security, no security, no assurance. It's kind of how it works. Islam says you got to keep the five tenets, five pillars of Islam, but even then it's no guarantee you'll go to paradise unless you die in a holy war as a martyr. That's the only guarantee. Judaism, the Jewish faith, the way that it's practiced today, not the way that God intended it to be, but, but you have to keep it, the law perfectly, all the ceremonial observances. And even then you're not sure if you're doing enough. No guarantee, no security. Catholicism, keep the sacraments. Uh, stay in the church, do good works. No guarantee of heaven. Is that right? No guarantee, no security. Jehovah's Witnesses. You got to be loyal to their hierarchy. You got to attend all the meetings at Kingdom Hall. You got to witness. You got to remain in good standing to secure your place in the kingdom, which there's limited seating. 144,000, better get in soon. No guarantee. No security. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, the activities that you have to do there. The, the teachings you must adhere to of Joseph Smith. you got to stay in good standing with the church. Participate in their ceremonies, including baptism and the celestial marriage. Falling short disqualifies you from attaining divinity and getting your own planet. No guarantee. You think I'm making all this up? No guarantees. No security. And only we could go through all the, the works-based religions. Hey, listen, here's the problem. That doesn't fit what God said here. It doesn't fit. Because the only, the only way a person can be saved is on the basis of grace through faith, not in themselves, what they have done, but in who he is and what he did. And thus, when I trust Jesus as my Savior, I am born into God's family. And you'll never find in that Bible anywhere where a truly regenerate person becomes unregenerate. Does it stand to reason with you? If you're made alive in Christ, 
You don't lose that salvation. There's never a place where a person that has been made alive in him is now spiritually dead. You don't find that. Because in the Bible, you only find eternal security. And that's what John is dealing with here. John is writing here because he wants the believers to know because, thank God, you can know for sure. You can know for sure. I, I like what the man says, and we'll move on from this particular quote. He says this, God's guarantee contains no deceptive fine print. Well, I'm glad when you read your Bible, it's not like this fine print. Now, some of you have a hard time reading it, but that's not fine print. It's just your eyes. <laughs> There's no fine print down at the bottom that says, okay, you can be saved as long as you da, 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 da. No. No fine print. No deceptive fine print. No hidden exceptions. And God, he says, God will never renege on his promise. God will never break his promise. Lester Hudson wrote the book, Basic Bible Truths, a really helpful tool. Assurance of salvation, he says, is not based on better conduct. It's not based on an emotional experience. Assurance of salvation is not based on a feeling. Well, thank God for that. Because there's some days you probably don't feel spiritual. That qualified all of us. And there may be some days you don't feel saved. I remember faltering and failing in my Christian life and still do, of course. But I remember doing that and thinking, how can anybody that's saved be doing what I'm doing? And that's a good place you need to think about if you're saved or not. But if you're saved, you don't lose your salvation. And thank God salvation is not a feeling, it's a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact based on the reliability of God's word. And that's what I hope that you'd see tonight is what John is getting across here is that the reliability of his word provides the basis for the certainty of our salvation. Your salvation is as sure as God's word is sure. Now, if God is, is in his word is not certain, then you've got no basis for your certainty in salvation. But if God, and I'm going to say it this way now, since God is, is reliable in his word, your salvation, if it's based on what he said here, your salvation is certain. Amen. You say, yeah, but what if I, it's certain. You saying there's nothing I could do that would get me out of Christ? No. You say, don't tell them that, they'll go do something bad. Hey, they're in Christ, you're in Christ, but that ought to make you not be in a place where I can sin now with Jesus' permission. If that's your attitude, I'm questioning the genuineness of your salvation. Because when I read through here and I see that the new birth is taking place and the Spirit of God has moved in, then there's a desire to want to do what is right, even though there may be a faltering in actually serving and living for Him. But listen, the fault is not on His ability to save. It's not free from the law, happy condition. Now I can sin with Jesus' permission. That's not what the hymn says. No, there's remission for sin. He paid the full price. And that's where maybe we get accused, uh, you know, people uh, kind of in a derogatory way. Yeah, those Baptists, once saved, always saved. And that just means you can live any old way you want to. Well, they didn't get that out of the Bible. No, once saved, always saved is what the Bible teaches. And I want to live for him. 
And so um, Mr. Hudson is right in saying uh, that I'm not saved by a feeling or a deep sincerity. No, people who know they are saved, listen to this, people who know they are saved know they are saved because God told them they are. My salvation is as good as God's word. My assurance is based on the integrity of God and his word, not feelings, not my feeble ability to maintain a good track record of good living. No, it's based on him, what he did. So why is this in the passage? Why, why, I mean, why is all this build up really to this point? Why is it that in verse number 13, did John say, these things have I written unto you that you, that believe on the name of the son of God that you might know? Why? I mean, this is like the culminating verse right here. Not just of this section. I don't think it's just of this section. There's, there's some that say, well, this is probably just he's, he's saying these things have I written unto you just based on what he said just recently. No, I, I think it's kind of like in John 20 and verse number 31 that he says, these things have I written unto you that you may believe, that you may know who Jesus is and trust him. These things he's saying here to believers. So, okay, wait a minute. Let me get this very, very clear here, okay? So that everybody's getting it. John, the big John, gospel of John is written to unbelievers that they might understand who Jesus is and thus believe him, trust him for salvation. First John that we've studied here, the epistle is written to believers who already have believed because they need to know that they are saved. You feel the difference there? So it's just two different purposes. One is that it would help you to believe. The other is to help those who have believed. So we saw last week, don't, don't think less of the one that has, has proven to be more. This was two weeks ago and many weren't here. So I just want to kind of work through that. And we, we determined this, you can't run a bus on a nine volt battery. Now, if that's all that you got out of the message, you missed the bulk of it. But you can't run a bus on a nine volt battery. And Brother Carl Wiltsey helped us in having a bus battery up here. Big old heavy thing. You gotta have the right size. You gotta have the right source to run it. Here's, here's the point that John is making here. Listen, you can't run your Christian life on anything less than God. Do you feel that? I can't save myself. I can't even live the Christian life. But he can live it through me, see. All right. So you can't run a bus on a nine volt battery and you can't run a Christian life on anything or anyone less than God. It's got to be God at work in you. Now you choose whether or not you let him work. You've got a responsibility in the midst of all this. I'm not denying that. But here's here is the problem in first John is that those that had left, they had a faulty savior. Because they were of the impression and they began even to teach and it really kind of shook this church. Just imagine that some that had been here a long time began to leave from Southwest Baptist Church and they said things like this. Okay, let me just run it by you. Jesus, um, Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. He wasn't really human. Or they said something like this. He wasn't really God. Or they said something like this. He didn't come become the Christ until his baptism when the, when the Holy Spirit like a dove descended upon him. There he became the Christ and at his crucifixion, the Christ left him and he died as a man. Well, if who you call your savior was just a common man dying on a cross, you've got reason to question your salvation. Because that was just a man that died. 
If that's who you're relying on for your, the power in your Christian life to resist sin, there's no wonder that you'd be faulty in that. And so that's what was, that's what was going on then, is that they were saying these things, and, and both of them, both of these groups, follow me right here, both of these groups believed in eternal life. That was no question. They believed in eternal life. The question was, who's got it? Who's got that eternal life? What record do we have? What witness do we have? And so that was their witness about Jesus. And that's why I went back and read those verses again. I'm trying my best not to re-preach them, though they will flat preach because they are really good verses there. How that he said there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they bear record that he came not only by water, but by water and blood. And I'm just going to make this part really, really short to say this. Most likely what he's referring to is that Jesus came in the flesh and there never has been a time that he wasn't God. And there never has been a time when he wasn't the Christ. And he was the Christ at his baptism. He did not get baptized to become the Christ. He was the Christ at his baptism. And he was the Christ at his death. That would be the water and the blood. The blood would be signifying the blood that he shed for you and me at the cross. So he's saying right here, listen, those that have left, they went out from us. They never were of us. Chapter 2 and verse number 19. They never were truly born again. They never were saved because they didn't believe who Jesus really was. You can't be saved without trusting him as, as who he truly is. The fully God man. So therefore, based on that, then those that are caught up in Jehovah's Witness, the cult, or Mormonism, etc., etc., they can't be saved believing what they say they believe. They may be saved in spite of what the, te- the, the people are teaching there. That's probably because they heard the gospel somewhere else. But if they believe what the te- the, those churches teach them, then they'll die and go to hell because they're not believing who Jesus truly is. Are you making, is this making sense to you? And that's what John was dealing with in his day and time. And so he's saying, listen, that is, that is what they are saying, but let me call in some other witnesses right here. All right, hang on, some of you missed that. That's what they are saying. That's what these people are saying that left the church. They're saying he's not really God or he didn't really come in the flesh. And John says, wait a minute, let me call in some other witnesses. The Father says who he is. The Spirit says who he is. The Son says who he is. These three are one and they bear record that he is who he said he is. The water, the blood, and the, and the spirit, they agree in one that he is who he said he is. And this is the record. So that's where he gets to verse number 11. Based on who he is, watch this, based on who he did, here's the result. If you trusted him. Now, if you trusted anyone less than him, you don't have security and salvation. We all right? If you trusted some earthly priest, that's not sufficient. You trust yourself, that's not sufficient. There's only one that's sufficient. And there's only one that can help you live the victorious Christian life. That goes all the way back to verse number four, that this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's no wonder that that even true believers aren't living a victorious Christian life because you're trying to do it in the power of the flesh. And John is saying right here, listen, you are saved. And so who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, he's saying, listen, you don't, have to be defeated in your Christian life. You don't have to be defeated by sin in your life. He lives within you. He can live through you. All right. So then verse 11, this is the record that he hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in where? His son. Do you see how all this fits together? I think sometimes we just kind of jump right to verse number 11 and we're skipping all that. You say, well, I understand why we do because it's kind of hard to explain. Well, it's still in there. 
Okay, this is the record that he had given. This is the record. This is really the result. Look at it, verse 11 again. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Now we keep records for all kinds of things. Records. Uh, we keep health records. We keep financial records, or you should. Academic records. Police records. I used to go door knocking. I've, I've told this before here, but Brother Tom McClain, uh, Billy Coates was his pastor in Missouri, and I got to be his pastor as well. He's a chief of police in, in uh, Willard, Missouri, and I'd go door knocking with him, and he'd knock on the door, and he'd sometimes, he didn't always do it, but oftentimes he'd say it this way. Now, I don't tell everybody this, but I'm the chief of police in Willard. And, uh, and man, their eyes get real big. He suddenly had their attention. And he said, one of our jobs at the police station is we check people's record. Today, I'd like to actually pull your record. And he'd opened up to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. And this is the record that God has given to us, the eternal life. And this, li and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. Now, do you have the son or do you not have the life? And he was checking the record. That's pretty good. <laughs> kind of made me wish I was part of the police and could use that. And check your record today. How about tonight, though? I'm a preacher and you're, you're a person. How about you check the record tonight? Check the record tonight. Would you check the record? Check the record. Check the record. You say, well, I got good works. Check the record. That's not what the record said. This life is in his son. Check the record. You say, well, I got baptized as an infant. Check the record. That's not what it said. You say, well, I changed the way that I'm living. Check the record. That's not what it said. How about this one? I've got a better record than others. Check the record. That's not what it said. Is everybody following this? Check the record. That's not what it says. It's not if you're better than somebody else. Well, I tried to keep the Ten Commandments. How's that going for you? Check the record. I'm not doing too good. Yeah, you need a savior, right? Um, I don't believe, somebody says, I don't believe you can really know. Because that's kind of arrogant to say that you know. Check the record. That's not being arrogant. Humility and, 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 and truth are not incompatible. I, in fact, I can say with confidence, and I know that, that the vast majority here, maybe if not all, can say, I know what the record says, and based on the record, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Well, I don't believe you can say that. Check the record. The record says that you can. I believe that there's a God. Isn't that enough? Check the record. The demons believe and tremble. That's not sufficient. I pray every night. Check the record. How about this one? This is one of my favorite ones at the door that I don't like, but I've always been saved. I've always been a Christian. No, check the record. You haven't always been a Christian and you're probably not. I'm just trying to say, are you listening to me? Check the record. Check the record. The record says that eternal life is in his son. And that means this, listen to this now. This, that means this, that salvation is exclusively in Jesus Christ. That's what the record of God says. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but what? But by me. Neither is there salvation in any other. Boy, I know we all know this, but we need to be reminded of it along the way. Neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's what the record says. Based on that and based on what John is saying here, he is an exclusivist. 
Meaning this, he believes salvation is only found in exclusively Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I believe you need to be a little bit more broad-minded than that. I think you need to be more inclusive than that. I think that God is more inclusive than that. I think that when they are bowing before that idol in Japan, that God has taken that and kind of translated it, that it's actually worship to him. That's not what the record says. I'm just trying to go by the record. What are you trying to go by? I'm not, I'm not accusing you of doing that, but I'm just simply saying people try to do that. It's found exclusively in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John is making it clear here that even though, even though those that had left had really tried to rattle their faith and saying that they really knew God and they did not, John is saying, listen, based on the fact, listen to this, based on the fact that you have stayed true to what the word of God has said in the gospel and you love one another and you're keeping his commandments, you're giving evidence that you are true believers and they are not. Works aren't the way to get saved, but the works that they were doing were evidencing that they were, that they were. Eternal life is in his son. Look at verse number 11, the last part of it. He's given to us eternal life. Eternal life has no ending. We'll get to that in just a minute. Eternal life, this, and this life is in his son. It's not in church membership. It's not in baptism. It's not in good works. It's not in good intentions. It's in his son. And thus, verse number 12, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. It's really that easy. So what does it mean by he that hath the son? Well, if you look back up at verse number 10, look at it if you would, please. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. You see that? So he that hath the son, the way that you get the son is by believing. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, John and chapter number five and verse number 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, watch this now, and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. Shall not. No possibility of condemnation shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So the way that we receive Jesus is by believing or trusting him as savior. So have you? If you have trusted him as your savior, based on what biblical salvation is, then you have the son and thus you have life, eternal life. And thus, then John explains what he did in verse number 13. That's where we are right now. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Believing on the name, by the way, just means that if you believe on somebody's name, you believe in their person. So you believe on the name of the Son of God. So he's saying, listen, I've written this to you. I've just, I've taken time to really delve into all this. And I've written these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye may know that is present tense, that is, that is a certainty here, that you may know for sure that you have eternal life. It does not indicate this. It does not, it, listen, listen right quick here. We got, we got a little bit more work to do and then we'll get some application. But, but here's what he's saying. He's not saying, listen, these things have I written to you that you might eventually know that you have eternal life. No, he said that you ought to know that you got eternal life Right now. 
right now. You can know immediately, not gradually. You say, well, I think it takes time for somebody to really know that. Check the record. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to go back to that record thing because it's, it's right there. It's in the record. Check the record. The reliability of his word gives us the basis for the certainty of our salvation. So he says that you may know immediately, not gradually. What if, I, what if it was this way? You know, I'm not real sure if I'm married or not. He said, man, you got some problems. I'm coming to it gradually. <laughs> the realization that I'm married. You better get to that immediately. <laughs> Amen? You don't get to that gradually. You know that immediately. How about this? You get a job. I'm not sure if I got a job or not. No, you can know that you've got a job. Now you may say something like this, man, I can't believe, I can't believe I've been married for 25 years. That's what I'm saying this year. I can't believe, I can't believe Angie, it's been 25 years. I can't believe that. Now I might say something like that, but I'm married. Okay. And, and I know that immediately. It's not a, like a gradual thing. It just dawned on me. Oh, wow. <laughs> 25 years ago, I said something. Now I'm, no, 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 no. I was married on June the 6th, D-Day, <laughs> 1998. It was a done deal. Now, watch this. I've had a lot of adjustments and so has she since that time. But it's something that I know and I adjust to. You get a job, you need to know that you got a job. It'll help you show up tomorrow. I got a job. Yes, I do. And so now I'm going to adjust to that job. Or how about this? How about somebody, you know, newborn parents? We've got a bunch of newborn parents here. What if they just hit somebody on the way home? They had this like car seat thing in the back and this something's crying back there. What's that? What's that? He would say, it's a baby. What's that about? We're parents. Ah! Okay, no, you know that immediately but there's going to be some adjustments that you're going to make for the next 50 to 60 years. Does <laughs> this make sense? So John is saying, listen, I've written all this to you because you can know immediately and you need to know immediately because God's word is trustworthy and he is trustworthy. And so you can know for sure you're saved. Now there's going to be adjustments that you need to make in your Christian life along the way. And he'll even help you to do that. These things, he says, have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Hey, I want to ask you tonight, do you know that for sure? You can, based on the record. Well, you say, what do I have to do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what the record says. You mean I never lose it? You never lose it. You never lose it. You never lose it because the reliability of his word provides the basis for the certainty of your salvation. Nothing can change the fact of a genuine salvation. Now, I believe there are a bunch of people that make a bunch of professions about salvation. They're never born again. But I'm talking about tonight, a truly born again believer, a truly born again person can never and nothing ever changes the fact of the record that they're saved. Because it doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on them. It depends on him. 
Well, if somebody gets dementia or Alzheimer's and they forget when they were saved. Well, you know what's so beautiful about some believers that I've known along the way, probably you too, that get that dreaded and difficult disease? They still remember the words of hymns. They can sing them, even though they don't remember what they just ate. I don't remember what happened yesterday. But listen, even if they, watch this now, if they totally lost all memory, like John Bishop did. John Bishop, he was a pastor, remember that? He was saved and he was a pastor. It's good if a pastor's saved. Anyways, (laughs) all right. (laughs) He was saved and he had spinal meningitis and totally lost everything and didn't even remember that he was married. But the fact that he forgot that he was married didn't change the fact that he was. Because she remembered. And he'd say, they tell me this Madonna that we married. He had, I mean, literally he had to relearn. I'm not making fun of him. He had to relearn how to talk. And he had to remember what it meant to be married and that he was married. Well, the fact that he forgot didn't change the fact that he was. You may lose your memory, but he doesn't his. I'm glad I don't keep the records here. I'm glad glad that it says on my soul, you don't know how many verses I got right here, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be veiled in the last time. First Peter chapter one and verse number five, who are kept by the power of God. I'm glad it's not me keeping the records. I'm glad he keeps the record. And that it's written in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, thank God and that record's not lost. Just here recently had a, a recall on our traverse. And, and so you have to provide documentation if you already replaced that part. And we had, we, we'd already went to our mechanic there in Bethany uh, at Simmons, really good man there. And, and so I, I called Paul uh, yesterday, or yesterday or the day before. And I, I called him and said, Paul, I, I don't have that receipt anymore. This is back in April of 2022. He said, it'll cost you an arm and a leg, but I got it. <laughs> now he's kidding with me. But he was able to pull it up on the, on the computer and print it out. I went by and picked up the receipt to send it in to the company to indicate that, listen, we've already paid for this. We'd like the reimbursement. I didn't have the record, but he did. And I told him, hey, I'm glad you kept the record. He said, I have to. <laughs> I don't know what all he meant by that, but that's what he said. <laughs> well, listen, I, you may forget what day it was that you were saved. You may forget what it was, but, and, and you need it to be for sure. Please understand this, everybody. But listen, even though you may not remember exactly what day it was, he's got the date down. And he doesn't lose his records. You can't undo what God's done. You can't undo what God has done. Did he save you? If he saved you, you can't undo it. You say, what if I commit suicide? Don't. Is that good counsel? Just don't do that. It's not your life. No, you don't take your life. But if a person did, and they're genuinely believer, genuinely saved, then they do go to heaven. Because their salvation isn't what they did, it's what he did, and you can't undo what God did. You're going to take a drink right there. Because you're kept by the power of God. Either that or Jesus is lying. Impossible, somebody said. It's impossible for God to lie. Because he said to the woman, 
there at the well, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him or her, him is what it's here, shall never thirst. Jesus said, if you truly drink of the water that I give you, you never thirst. In other words, there'll be another, you won't need another savior. I'll be enough. How about this? We've already read John 5, 24, but John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. If you receive the gift of eternal life, you shall never perish. Either that is true or Jesus is a liar. I believe he's true. Well, that just sounds blasphemous for me to say it that strong, but that's the implication here because listen to this. I wrote this down somewhere here in my notes that, that it, is, it was really a decent statement. A denial, here it is, a denial of eternal security is an indictment against the ability of God to keep you saved. Because Ephesians 1.13 says, and in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our, of our inheritance. You're sealed, sealed, signed and delivered. <laughs> sealed. That seal is showing ownership. If you're saved tonight, his seal, the Holy Spirit is upon you, indicating he owns you. And I like Brother Brandon right down here. I like Brother Brandon. I like what he told me too. He, he said to me, he's an engineer and helps out with some things. I don't know if I'm getting all that right. Brother Brandon, am I right on you? Close enough. And he said, when, it, when an architect or when, when an engineer puts his seal on, on whatever project it is he's doing, he's indicating this, he's the creator of it and he's the one that's gonna see it through to completion. How about, how about Philippians chapter one and verse number six? Being confident of this very thing that he which began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. You're sealed. He's the one who created you in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's the one that will perfect you. He started that good work in you. He will not stop. That'll preach. Well, you say, well, those verses are so crystal clear. What about the ones that kind of seem like you might lose your salvation? Here's what do. Just go to these that are so clear, clear, and then go to the others that seem like you could lose your salvation and just know God's not going to contradict himself. And it's a faulty understanding of any scripture to think that you can lose salvation. Whether Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, Hebrews tw tw uh, 10, or any other passage in the Old or New Testament, nothing in this Bible teaches that you can lose your salvation. Not one verse. That's a blessing. For these three reasons, hope. One article I read had these three reasons. I'm going to give it to you and I'm done. Because we know we're saved, we have hope. A lively hope, Peter called it in 1 John, 1 Peter, rather. Rather. Peter didn't write 1 John. 1 <laughs> Peter 1, 3. Begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow, what a verse. Assurance. We have assurance based on God's word. His guarantee means if you're saved, you're secure. Assurance. I literally had inserted Romans 8, 38 into my sermon notes. 
and got the text from Brother Kevin Culver that Miss Robin had passed away to go to heaven. Romans 8, 38 says this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then finally, peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Romans 5 and verse 1. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, I've got several texts from Brother Kevin of recent that said, I can't explain what peace is here. How do you have that kind of peace? When you know that God is reliable and you know Him as your Savior and you know, come what may, you can trust Him through it all. Because He's the architect of your faith. The reliability of God's Word provides the certainty we need in His salvation. Father, thank you tonight. It's good just to restudy this and see that we are saved and in Christ and secure and that it is your clearly stated will that we may know that we have eternal life. Thank you for that. With all the uncertainty in life, I'm thankful for the reliability of your word. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here struggling with the assurance of their salvation, that you'd help them because it is your will to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.